On tonight in the Honky Tonk Time Machine, we have ourselves a triple threat. He can sing, he's one hell of a songwriter, and boy, can he play that guitar. Leroy Parnell is our guest, and Leroy, it is an honor to have you on. Thank you, Glenn. How are you tonight? Well, I guess I can't really complain. I'm doing pretty good, despite the state of the world right now. How about you? How are you holding up with everything hitting the fan these days? Well, we've we've had to shove everything pretty much back over into next year. So, yeah, we're, you know, but, hey, man, it's also given us a minute to put on the brakes and sort of take stock of everything that we hold dear, pay some attention to what's <laughs> going on at home. And uh, so in some ways it's been good. some ways it's getting old. I guess we all do. Yeah, the ability to reconnect with those that we hold dearest is probably the, the best thing that's come out of this. What have you been putting your mind to during this time? Well, let me tell you. Or, now, I'll think about this for a minute. You know, I'm 63 years old. I've been doing this for a living my whole life. My whole life. Never done anything else. So if you count it up, that's somewhere around 45 years of being on the road, coming in, you know, about the time I'd come in uh, from from one trip, time to go to the dry cleaners, put the stuff in the in the laundry, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by the time it was done and out, we were packed up and ready to go again. You know, come home, kiss the kids, uh, uh, do a couple of honeydews, and then we're back on the road again. So this has been an opportunity for me to get my studio cleaned up finally i mean i found old musicians in there i hadn't seen in years <laughs> <laughs> and uh just sort of really as a writer you know it's hard to get it's hard to pay any attention to your craft when you're moving that fast and so it's in that way it's been good and in that way i think we're going to see a lot of music being born out of this time when this thing finally lifts, and God bless those wonderful scientists that are out there working hard, because they are, I believe, they are really working hard trying to find something, a therapeutic or a vaccine or both or anything to try to get us back to normal, you know? Yeah, and I know in our neck of the woods, things are starting to open back up and trending towards getting back to normal, but we're just hoping that curve can stay flat and we can keep the new cases to a minimum, you know? I, I hope so, but I mean, I don't want to get into politics because that's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but I really hate to see anybody get out there before it's time. Um, I have family members who who are getting back out there, and I'm worried to death for them. Um, but you know, it's a it's a personal walk, and everybody needs to respect everybody else's position, be kind to one another, um, and and and. And cut, cut everybody some slack, and while you're at it, cut yourself some, too. So where are you quarantining these days? Where do you call home? Well, when I stopped, I was in Nashville, so that's where I am. Um, I have a, I have my, my home is here because my 8-year-old son lives here, uh, and uh, he, he splits his time up between his mom and, and I, and uh, they're about 20 minutes away from us. So, um you know, it's given me some time with my eight-year-old, and um, you know that that means all my family, my family at large, uh, is all in Austin, Texas. So we do a Zoom call every Sunday night, and generally talk to my family. We're a very close family, and 
and we we have stayed. Thank God for Zoom. It's really helped a yeah, lot. Pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, they have happy hours. I don't drink anymore, but uh, they do, and I watch them. Uh, Leroy you said you're 63 years old I'm 33 years old but I know your music well and in fact one of my first memories of listening to country music was sitting in the back seat of the car and what kind of fool do you think I am is on the radio so you're involved in one of my first memories of country music and I've always loved that song ever since I heard it that first time back in, I guess that would have been like 1992. Well, I won't even ask you what you were doing in the backseat of your car, listening to what kind of music <laughs> Well, I was only six years old at the time, Leroy, oh, okay. so, yeah. All right. yeah that all okay, all right, okay. If you'd been 16, that might have been a little different. Yeah, I see where you're going with it. I wasn't quite there yet. Not there, but you got there, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, I did. I am happy to report. Yeah, we all get there eventually. No, it's thank you, buddy. That's that's nice of you to say. I I think the nineties were uh, that was a really uh, that was a really good time for country music. I think because it was really opening up to different different artists and ideas. You know, by the time Rodney Crowell and Roseanne Cash were plowing a plowing a way for the rest of us to come in behind them, and and then enter me, Steve Warner. Steve Earle, uh, Lyle Lovett, and, and you know it was a it was a really interesting time. The music became more um, global, and I, I think it really it, we all benefited from it. And eventually, it you know as it does, it all morphs and then morphs on. And, and it, you know, somebody said the other day, they said. Uh, Oh, Leroy, you remember the good old days? I said, well, you know, this is the good old days for somebody. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Every dog has his day, you know, and we're now we're sort of basking in the aftermath of, of all that. And the beautiful thing about those times, I was watching Boss Gags in an interview the other day, and, and they were talking about his, you know, he really wasn't a disco guy, but he used that when he did uh, the lowdown thing and all that it afforded him a platform to get out there and do what he does for the rest of his life. And he, he handled that interview so well. And he said, uh, you know, I just hope for every artist that they have a time in their life where they're commercially viable. And, and what it does is it really, it's, it's not really about that as much as it is about paving a road for the rest of your life as an artist. Cause as an artist, you just kind of continue to, to grow and, and, and continue to morph and and hopefully, you know, your audience goes with you. And most of the time they do. They're the public is wonderful. I mean they they're not judgmental. They're they they most of the time, you know, most of the time. They just want to hear what you're gonna do and they'll let you know if they like it or not. <laughs> if they like it or not you know? <laughs> so you're in Cape Girardeau, right? Yeah, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Listen. One of my favorite people. You know about this already? You know what I'm about to say? Well, there's so many good people here, Leroy. Uh, I don't. I can't say I do. <laughs> Vida Keys. Do you know about Vida Keys? Oh, okay. Keys Music, which is probably not there anymore, but this woman was, <laughs> we used to play in your area, this woman who happened to be friends with my mother and dad back, back, way back in Texas, was the 
coolest lady. She was like 70 years old. She got on stage with us and played the Hammond B3 organ like you can't believe, and then would jump on the fiddle and just play the heck out of that. So I have, every time I get a, her son, Eddie, is listening, I'm sure, and I just want to shout out for Vitaki. She's gone now. But, boys, what an impression she made. I loved her like a family member, really did. I want to say it's been about maybe 10 years since she's passed. Does that sound about right? That's about, that's, that's about right. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah. That's yeah. a name I hadn't heard in a long time, Leroy. You caught me off guard on that one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, should, I should have warned you. No, that's, <laughs> that's completely fine. So so I think it's really cool you, you have a Cave Girardo connection then. I certainly do. I certainly do. That's one of them, anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk about your, your uh, songwriting a little bit, because I, I mentioned you're, you're a triple threat. You sing, you got one of the best voices, amazing on the guitar, but songwriting. You wrote or co-wrote a lot of your biggest hits. Is that something you took a lot of pride in? Yeah. I mean, it was a labor of love, for sure. Um, you know, songwriting is interesting. Uh, it's an interesting... Uh, piece of, uh, of, of it's, a, it's a task, if you want to call it that. It's about 10% inspiration and about 90% perspiration. Um, <laughs> you can't write a song without a great idea. And those come, that's just from God. You know, you got to be listening. And I do. And when something flies through the air, I grab it. Put it <clears throat> now I put it on my phone, handy dandy. Go oh, yeah. to the cloud and I can't even forget that. <laughs> and, uh, and then when you get quiet, you get a, a, a day or something by yourself, and you sit down and go through those ideas, and you choose what you're going to do, what you're going to spend your time on. I like this, and I like this. And so I'm going to spend some time on that. Then you got to nail yourself to that chair, and then it's, it's graphite and rubber. I mean, just pencil, and that you just get down and you just, it just worked, and then there's the craft that, luckily, when I came to Nashville, the first thing I was interested in getting was a publishing deal, because I, as a writer, uh, sort of marooned down in Texas, we we didn't have the machine that they had in, in Nashville uh, to pay writers, you know, a draw, the banks up here would lend money for cars and houses and things like that. If you had an income stream, they understood it. So for security sake, because I've, I've had kids since I was 22, and and I've been a perpetual dad, you know, <laughs> and still am. I've got an eight-year-old now. But uh, getting, I signed with Polygram Publishing, and um, I, I was fairly fresh as a writer. But the guys I was involved with up there in my building, in the floor that I was on in that building, it was a 24-7, well, really, you know, like 9 o'clock in the morning till about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. You just worked, buddy. And I had Bob McGill on one side of me in the office next to me, Roy Burke in the office next to that, Charlie Black down the hall. I mean, these monster writers that I really went from being a novice songwriter to having it, it was like going to college, you know, learning from these guys. And if I got stuck on something, I'd run down the hall and go, Bob, I went in McDill's office and said, Bob, 
one particular day, I remember, uh, you know, Bob and I wrote some big old songs together, but um, I, I said, man, I'm stuck on this second verse. And he said, well, let me take a look at that, you know. And <laughs> he looked at me and said, well, you know, your second verse is fine. It's the first verse you ain't got. <laughs> you know? So things like that. And you learn from these guys, you know, they go, you know, because they've been doing it so long. And now I'm one of those guys, you know, now I'm, I, I'm an old salt and, uh, young writers come to me and they go, I'm stuck on my second verse. I go, oh, your second verse is fine. It's your first, you ain't got, you know. <laughs> <laughs>